do me a favor. Everybody just look around for a second. Tell me this isn't awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, so, yeah, let's give a thank you to the Lord for what he's been doing at Zion. Uh, if you're new with us, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are so glad that you've chosen to be here on what we as Christians consider to be the most important day in all of human history. Amen? Amen. See, today is so much more than just a church service. It is a witness to what God is and continues to do throughout the world. And, and so as we're looking at this, uh, there's a tradition that uh, Christians have been doing for centuries, and it kind of goes like this. See, the person up on the stage or preaching says, he is risen, and then if you're not familiar with church, everybody out here says, he is risen indeed. So we're going to do that together, but here's the thing. I don't want to sound Lutheran. I want to sound Pentecostal when we do it. So I'm going I'm to say, he is risen, because all Lutherans are going to be like, he is risen indeed, Right? <laughs> And so I'm going to say it, and then I want you all to shout it as loud as you can. Ready? Here we go. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to sound like. Can I get a what, what? <laughs> you all need to be here regularly. That's, that was awesome. Um, so here's the thing. So we believe that the Holy Spirit is already in this place. And, and so we started something a couple weeks ago. Um, because I, I think sometimes we get our language and our wires crossed as we think somehow we need to invite God into a space. He's already here. What we need to do is ask God to move in this place. And first, it doesn't start within this room. It starts with this room right here. And so what we started doing about a month ago is we now invite you to pray with me uh, an invitation for the Lord to move here, to move here. And it's asking the Holy Spirit. And if you're not a Christian, I'm going to assume there are people in this room who are not Christian. They're here because grandma said you're coming to church, right? I get that. Uh, but if, if you want to, if you feel comfortable and want to join us, I'm going to invite those who'd like to to stand. And if you don't want to stand, it's okay. If you can't stand, it's okay. But we're going to pray this together and we have it on the screen. And it's an invitation for the Holy Spirit to move in us. And so would you stand with me and then we're going to get into our text. And if you'd like to, would you join me this morning in our prayer and then our, our scripture reading. All together now, here we go. Holy Spirit, thank you for this morning. Thank you that today of all days, I come to worship and celebrate the day that changed everything. The day Jesus rose in total victory, defeating sin and death so I can be free. Spirit, I pray if there are things in my life that have happened this week or even this morning, that might get in the way of what you have for me, I surrender them to you, Lord. Lord, open the eyes of my heart so your word and your spirit would take hold in my heart, my mind, and my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. And now we're going to do our scripture. And before I do it, there's just a, keep on standing. I know some of you are like, sit down, what, what's going on here? Uh, so I want to set it up, and then we're just going to read a couple verses together. It's found in Ch Acts chapter 1. And Acts chapter 1 takes place 40 days after Easter, the first Easter. And, and there's something interesting that takes place in Acts chapter 1. See, Jesus rises from the grave, and people don't believe that Jesus rose from the grave. And I don't know about you, but if somebody said, hey, someone was dead and they've come back to life, anybody here going to be a little skeptical of that? And, and this is what I love about the Bible compared to any other religious text in the world. It's the only one that acknowledges that it's not always easy to believe. And it says this, that Jesus spent 40 days proving that he was alive. Proving that he was alive. And that he went and he told the disciples, listen, and not just, uh, not just proving, convincing 
proofs. In other words, Jesus says, hey, you don't believe me? Touch, touch the scars. Hang out with me. Hear me. Get to know me. And he tells the disciples this. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father promised, which is the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And the disciples gathered around him, and Lord, they asked him, Lord, are you going to restore Israel? Now, here's the text we're going to read this morning all together. Ready? Here we go. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. The word of the Lord, praise be to God. You may be seated. Now, there's a word there that I want to talk about for this Easter. And it's a word that many of you are familiar with. The word is witness. Everybody say witness. witness. Now, you're familiar with the term. We often hear it. You know, you see a car accident. You were a witness to the car accident. In the 1980s, Harrison Ford, also known as Han Solo or Indiana Jones, starred in a movie called The Witness, where it was about a detective who was basically investigating a, a crime committed in an Amish community. Then a trial lawyer will call witnesses to the stand to share their story. Maybe you've had somebody come knock on your door as a Jehovah witness, and they're coming to share their faith. But See, here's the thing. Jesus tells the disciples, and that's you and me. If you're a Christian, he tells us that he wants us to bear witness or what the church calls witnessing. A witness is someone who shares what they saw, heard, or experienced, or what is called a testimony. A testimony is your story. Now, what exactly is Jesus actually asking his disciples and you and me to be witnesses to? Because there's a problem for us, which is how many of you were at the death of Jesus and saw him raised from the... No, no hands, no takers on that one. So what does it mean for us to be witnesses? I mean, it makes sense for them to be a witness because they actually saw it. And what does this have to do with what is witnessing, sharing your testimony, have to do with Easter? You see, the primary purpose of a witness is to help someone who wasn't there or who hasn't experienced something understand the purpose of an event. In fact, I think a greater purpose of a witness is to help establish motive, motivation. Why did somebody do what they did? Were there circumstances involved? And, and so this morning, I want to share four purposes of Easter, but that could change you and I really believe can change the world. See, when we look at these four purposes, three of them are ones that you've probably heard if you've ever been to an Easter or a church service. They're pretty common purposes. And they share the good news of Jesus or also what is called the gospel. But the fourth purpose is one that I'll be honest, in my 30 plus years of being a Christian, that means I've either heard or preached 30 plus sermons on Easter morning. There's one that I've never actually heard on Easter. And I'd love to say that it was Jason who came up with it. It wasn't. It was, I read some wonderful scholars and theologians who uh, really helped me to begin to frame that there is another purpose to Easter that we miss. But I want to share the first three because I know in a room this size that there are many in this room who are not Christian. 
who maybe you walked away from faith. Maybe, you know, you became a Christian or you were raised in the church and then as you got older, you just kind of wandered away. Or maybe you, you're like, hey, I believe in God, but I don't really do the church thing and I just come on Easter and Christmas. And I want to say, regardless of why you're here, I'm so glad you are. But I, I want to share these. But in order to do this, you know, what got me thinking about the purpose of Easter, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, of the testimony, it got me thinking about kitchen utensils, as things do. <laughs> and how many of you have ever been cleaning through a drawer or cleaning something out, maybe a garage, and you come across an item and you're like, I don't know what this does. You know what I'm talking about? You know that moment where you find something and you're like, I have no idea what this thing exists for. Now, obviously, it had a purpose at some point, but here's the problem. If you don't know the purpose of something, you're going to run into three possible mistakes. First, you may not use it the right way. Second, you may not use it on the right thing. Or three, you just won't use it at all. Right? I mean, we all have junk drawers filled with things that we know had a purpose. And now we're hoping one day we'll discover the purpose. So it just kind of sits there. And, and so here's what I, I want to do this morning. We're going to play a little game, and I was, I was told that I did it wrong during the first service at 8, so I'm going to try and do better. Um, we're going to do a giveaway, and the first person that after uh, I show it can tell me what this item is, you're going to win it. I promise they're cool. It's okay. It's the good stuff. But I, I, I'm supposed to hold it up. So don't, like, if you see me pulling it out and you know what it is, just give a beat, okay? Because we want to give people over on the sides a chance. Y'all right here? Maybe I'll just do like this. I don't know. We'll do something. Okay, ready? Dang. So everybody else is like, the dudes are like, is that for childbirth? I don't know what this does. There you go. It's an avocado masher. Ah, as soon as you knew what it was, you're like, oh, I totally get that. I wish I would have known that. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. I heard it over here first. Someone over here? Who said it over here? Somebody? Nobody wants to take claim? Someone take it. I don't care who. I'm not throwing it because I'll kill you. And then it becomes a murder object. And that's not good. Thank you. Spring. That's a garlic press. Okay. Now, the dudes, the dudes are going to be super. Okay. Now, if I saw this, if I found these on the street, I would assume these are for something else. Um, but these are, these are awesome. Yeah! Claw things? That's just a description. Hold, who said it? Was someone over there? What? These are meat shredders, or if you're a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan, shredders. Could you imagine walking into a bar and somebody's like, going to shred some meat, yo? Like, I would be running. But it, who said that? Someone said that over here. Here. It was you? <laughs> First of all, you always need meat shredders. See, here's the thing. If you don't know what the purpose of it is for, you may not use it the right way. You'll use it on the wrong thing or you won't use it at all. And here's what I think happens. Notice it was all front row, which means there were people back there. You just got to be a little louder. So you should come next service and then you, get, then you can fight it out. Like, there we go. Just don't fight the person with the meat shredders. See, here's what I think happens. Um, I think sometimes as Christians, we've heard the story of Easter so many times that instead of be, being good news, it's just news. It's just information. And in fact, I would take it a step further that I think for some Christians, 
you're so familiar with it that it's actually lost its power. And so Easter is something you attend and you don't realize necessarily what it's done. And and in order to get there, I want to kind of share again what all of us are familiar with, or many of us. And maybe you weren't raised in church and you're hearing this for the first time. And and I want you to hear this. This is good news. It's not good advice. It's good news. It's meant to change your world and change the world. These first three purposes are common if you were raised in church, but very uncommon if you're not a Christian. I knew they were for me when I became a Christian in 1989. I didn't understand these. And when I first grasped hold of them, it was all of a sudden, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. And it starts with this. See, we believe that Jesus is God. And that Jesus was with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He eternally existed with God. And, and yet at an appointed time, He became flesh. He came through the Virgin Mary, born of the Holy Spirit. And God became flesh and lived among us. And for 30 years, He just was around. He was being doing life with His creation. But at age 30, He began His public ministry. And for three and a half years, He went out proclaiming the kingdom of God. And it ended on Good Friday when Jesus died on a cross. How many of you are familiar with this story so far? Raise your hand. Right? Familiar news. In fact, for some of you, you're like, okay, get on, move on with it, Jason. We know this part. That shows how familiar you might be with it. Jesus went and he he came into a fallen and broken world and he taught about a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. He raised up disciples of men and women who followed him to join him on this mission. He performed miracles. He He went out into the world. But Jesus' ultimate mission wasn't just to talk about the kingdom of God. It was to bring the kingdom of God into the world. And so he, he went out to seek and save the lost, to bring people who were far away from God, who left God back home into right relationship with God. Again, how many of you are familiar with this story so far? And he died for their sins. And the reason why he had to die for them is that God is perfect and we are not. We are sinners. The word sinner just means we fail. Everybody here, if, you're, if you failed in your life, raise your hand. We've all failed. And that failure gets in the way with our relationship with God. And some failure is not just failure. Sometimes it's epic failure that leads to tragedy and brokenness in the life of the world. And here's what sin does or what the Bible calls sin. Sin fractures relationship. It brings death. It fractures our relationship first with the God who created us. It fractures relationship between us and other people. It even fractures our relationship with the rest of creation. And it also fractures the relationship with ourselves. And so Jesus did what we could not do. Jesus died for our sins because God says, listen, because sin causes death, something needs to die in order to make it right. Now, again, you've probably heard this story before. And Jesus, God said, listen, either you can die or something else can die. And so God said, I'm going to allow you to sacrifice animals or or bring other offerings as a means. But the problem with those is they were limited sacrifices. They only dealt with the sin that moment and before. But it didn't deal with the whole issue of sin. And so God became flesh and he became the ultimate sacrifice. That's what the, the purpose of Easter is. He became the ultimate sacrifice so that our sins could be dealt with. Now, again, you've probably heard this before. Jesus, it was his love for you, his love for God, for the glory of God. Jesus went to the cross willingly. He was not a victim. He was not forced to. He knew exactly what he was getting into. He wasn't shocked by it. He went willingly to die for your sins. But Jesus didn't just die to inspire people. 
He didn't just die so that you can go, wow, I'm inspired or for a cause. Jesus died for your sins. But what makes Jesus so special compared to any other person, anyone else in history, and I want you to hear this, there have been people throughout history who have died for something. Our country exists because of men and women who gave their lives so we might exist. They died for a cause. There are people who die for a king or for a movement. Yes, sometimes a person will even die to save one person's life, but a normal sane person doesn't claim to be God who has come to die for the sins of the world. Jesus didn't come just to die for one person. He came to die for the world. And he claimed to be God. Now that's, again, if you're familiar with it, you're like, okay, I get that. But if you're not a Christian, that's weird. That, is, that, that doesn't make sense to us. We, that doesn't happen in the world. And so I'm not talking to the Christians right now. I'm talking to those people who are saying, Jason, I don't know if I believe in God yet. I don't know if this Jesus stuff is real. I want you to hear this. I get it. And so does God. God understands your doubt. And so we believe that God became flesh, that Jesus, who was God, never sinned. He, brought, he came into the world, a world that brought brokenness and sinfulness into the world. Jesus came other, differently. He loved people. He healed people. He certainly did not deserve to be executed. And when he died, he died what was called the criminal's death. See, criminals were sent to the cross. They were executed on a public display of humiliation. But this man, even if you don't believe that Jesus was God, you certainly would argue he was a good man. History has been changed by Jesus. Jesus taught wonderful things. He, some believe he performed miracles. He certainly did not deserve to die a criminal's death surrounded by thieves, and yet that's exactly what he did. But the difference between Jesus and all other people in history is that Jesus didn't stay dead. Now, you might say, Jason, I don't know if that's real. I don't know if I believe that. And guess what? I get that. That's where faith comes in. And this is why Jesus tells the disciples, I want you to be my witness. See, on the third day for the first Easter, the first Sunday of Easter, Jesus rose from the grave. He conquered sin and death. And I I want you to hear this because our most well-known, the most popular purposes of Easter are the ones that for many in this room, you've heard so many times Maybe they've lost their power, and I'm hoping maybe it'll regain its strength because the gospel should never lose its power, amen? In fact, I would argue the gospel doesn't lose its power. It's that you've lost vision to see its need in your life. And so here are the three purposes, and I want to say these again, but I'm going to say them a little faster because that story of what Jesus did is what leads us to understanding the first three purposes of of Easter. See, first and foremost, Jesus, as well as the authors of the Bible, taught that Jesus was not just a good man. He was not just a good teacher. He was, in fact, God become flesh. But when Jesus died, you know what also died with him that night? Was the hope of the disciples. They watched as their Messiah, the person they thought was going to be king, was executed on a cross. And we know what happens on the other side, but on that Friday night, their hope died. They had no idea of the resurrection. So everything they believed about God, all of it died on the cross. On Saturday, they hid. On Sunday, they hid. And so when Jesus rose from the grave, here's the first thing that it proved, the first purpose of Easter Jesus rising from the dead proved that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. He is God and he is king. 
all humans, we have all sinned against God. We've all sinned against each other. We've even sinned against ourselves. We've sinned against creation. Human sin broke the world. Sin, immorality, ethical failings, these things cause death and destruction. I shared that earlier. And they lead to separation between, two, uh, between other people, God, and even ourselves, which then leads us to the second purpose. See, the first purpose is to actually prove that Jesus is exactly who he said he was. He is God become flesh. The second purpose is this. Jesus defeated the power of sin on the cross. And his resurrection proves you are forgiven because of Jesus. His death was enough. Everybody say his death was enough. You don't have to sacrifice anymore. Some of you here have sin in your life. You've made grave mistakes and you feel like you have to keep on sacrificing to earn, to atone for what you've done. And I'm here to tell you that when you put your faith in Jesus, you can stop trying to earn it. It's done. That's what happened on that first Easter. It proved that Jesus defeated sin through the cross and that you are forgiven. But see, here's the other part. For the Christian, your sin and shame are now covered by Christ. It, was, it died on the cross and it's meant to be left in the tomb. But it's not just about forgiveness. Jesus also promised us eternal life. He told his disciples in John, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live and never die. Jesus was giving them a foreshadow of what was to come is that he is indeed the resurrection. So that Easter morning, Jesus, saw, not only did he forgive sins, but now he proved that there was life after death, that there is in fact eternal life. So Jesus appeared first to Mary and Martha. Now, which this is interesting. In the ancient world, women had no credibility. The first two preachers of the gospel were women. You know what that tells us about Jesus? First of all, not only does he break the norms of nature, he comes back from the dead, he also breaks the norms of society. The first two witnesses to the gospel were women, and they went out and they told the disciples who were cowering in the upper room, afraid for their life. And they said, listen, Jesus is alive. And they're like, I don't know about that. And, and all of a sudden, Jesus, the resurrected Lord, appears to the disciples except for one. One disciple was not there, a guy named Thomas, who sadly throughout history has gotten the name Doubting Thomas. How many of you ever heard that before? What a, what a bum name to get, because I don't know about you, if somebody said, hey, remember Jesus died on the cross, he came back, I'd have some doubts. And if you don't have doubts, well then praise the Lord, you have better faith than I do. This is what Thomas says, listen, I'll only believe if I can see the scars in his wrists and if I can touch the wound in his side where the spear went through, then I'll believe. And Jesus comes to Thomas and he says, Thomas, see, here they are. You don't believe me, touch it. Touch it. It's me. And Thomas worshiped and believed. Now, here's why this matters. See, the, the third purpose of Easter, the third good news is this. Easter shows that Jesus defeated death and hell. And here's why this is hope for the Christian is that we believe that there is life after death, but not just some spirit life, but that we have resurrected bodies like Jesus. Now, these things all reveal that Jesus is God and King, that Jesus is Savior, and that He is victorious over sin and death. But this goes back to our verse for today. See, here's what I love about the story in Acts. Jesus went around for 40 days proving, giving proof that He was Himself, that He actually did die. And this is going to actually lead us to the fourth purpose, the one that I think that often we don't think about or don't talk about. See, again, 
The purpose of a testimony is to help understand motive. God's motive for sending Jesus was first to show himself king. Jesus is king. Second, it was to deal with your sin, so it was dealt with once and for all. Third, it is to show eternal life. But there is a fourth witness, a fourth testimony as well. And, and here's the problem is, see, that I can tell people that Jesus is God, but if you're not a Christian, what can I do to prove that Jesus is God? Nothing. I can't prove it. I have faith in it. I believe there's reasonable evidence, but I can't believe beyond, I can't show beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is God. That's why if I could, guess what? There'd be, everyone would be a Christian. I also, I can tell people that I've been forgiven by Jesus, but that's just me sharing my story. How can I prove, how can I show you that I've experienced forgiveness? And then the last one is even harder because while I can talk about the fact that Jesus rose from the grave, I wasn't there. And in, in fact, the belief that one day there will be a resurrection in heaven, we won't know until we die. So there's an incredible amount of faith to be there. See, all these things I can give testimony to them too, but how do I actually show these things? Which I think leads us to the final purpose, what I believe is the fourth purpose of Easter, and it's the one that I wish I had heard when I was younger, in my 20s and in my 30s, and, and, it, and it actually comes about by asking this simple question. Why did Jesus come back in a glorified body in the first place? I mean, I want you to think about this. Before he became flesh, Jesus was with the Father and the Spirit in heaven. He was spirit. Jesus could have, and this still would have been miraculous, Jesus could have come back from the grave as his spirit, and he could have shown himself to everybody in the world at the exact same time. Could you imagine all of a sudden, Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, stands in front of everybody and goes, guess what, I'm back, right? People like in, in like Africa would be like, who is this person? I don't, who am I looking at, right? Jesus came in a physical body. Now, albeit a glorified body, one that wasn't going to be defeated by sin, that death would no longer reign. He had scars. He died not even three days earlier, and now they were scars. What once were open wounds are now healed scars. But why? Why did Jesus appear not just looking as a human, but actually coming in bodily form? Here's the first thing. As matter, I can't be in two places at the same time. You'll notice I'm standing up here. I can't simultaneously stand up here and be sitting out there, can I? Jesus came in bodily form. He had scars in his wrists and on his side. He walked with the disciples. He ate with the disciples. He taught the disciples. He even appeared to 500 people who saw him all at the same time, not like he came individually. If there's all of you are seeing me at the same time, there's about 500 people in here. All of you are seeing me at the same time. These are physical, embodied things. And I love this next part. Over that 40 days, he showed, this is my body, not my spirit. This is my body. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus is here, which leads us to the fourth purpose of Easter. You guys ready for this? Are you ready for this? Say yes. yes. Okay, you ready? Here we go. The fourth purpose of Easter is this. Jesus having a bodily resurrection shows that God cares about this world here and now, that the physical world matters to God. Creation matters to God. Your life matters to God. See, in the church, we tend to only talk about the future, don't we? 
It's all about getting to heaven, about having our sins forgiven, which are good news, are important things. But the gospel, the good news is also Jesus came to show us that this world still matters. He came in bodily form to point to us that matter matters. How we live matters. The good news of Jesus, the kingdom of God, is good news, not good advice. Uh, and now, check this out. This, this, I, 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 for years, I didn't get this. The first four books in the New Testament are called the Gospels. Everybody say the Gospels. The Gospel literally means good news, and this is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the Gospel, those four things. Jesus came, became flesh. He goes out, begins his ministry, and he says, listen, the kingdom of God is near. It's at hand. Repent and believe. And then he went out and brought the kingdom into the world. He didn't just talk about it. He lived it. He embodied it into the world. He lived out God's kingdom, and he even gave a foretaste of it when he taught his disciples a very popular prayer that even if you're not a Christian, you've probably heard. You guys ready for it? We all know it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in In other words, our job, Easter, the fourth purpose of Easter is to give a taste of heaven into the world now. Our job, God has invited you and me to partner with the Holy Spirit to show a broken world what a healed world can look like. And what does that mean for us? It means that Jesus came to bring God's heart and vision of a heavenly kingdom down into the dirt, into the muck and mire, into the messiness of man's kingdom and the messiness of world. He turned water into wine. I love that his first miracle was at a wedding. It was a party miracle. He ate at sinners' houses. That's Hebrew for parte. I'm just saying. <laughs> he searched out the broken and the lost. He offered people forgiveness who believed they were unforgivable. He cast out demons. He healed the sick, the blind, the paralyzed. He even brought dead people back to life. And with his resurrection, the final purpose, the final motivation of Easter is that Jesus is saying, listen, I'm inviting you to show the world that I'm real through how you live now, by how we function as the church. What does this mean? It means our witness is not just to tell the world about God's kingdom, it's to show the world God's kingdom. We show it in our life, and here's the beautiful part. You ready for this? We've made the mistake of believing that Easter is a a one-day-a-year event. No, Easter is meant to be lived every single day. Did you know Easter actually isn't what it was called? It's originally called Resurrection Day. Everybody say Resurrection Day. Resurrection Day is the day that Jesus came back, and in it, He, he came to show that the lost can be saved, that the, the unforgiven can be forgiven and healed. He came to bring healing and wholeness, and He invites you and I to bring people to the kingdom to show them that the world can be different. This is absolutely good, great news. But Easter, Easter also shows us this, God's not done with the world yet. Until Jesus returns, we have a job to do, we have a mission to be a part of, and it's ultimately something He does. Jesus, right after He, was, he, he came back, He told the disciples in Matthew 28, it's called the Great Mission, it is the mission of every church, go and make disciples. Disciples are people who love, act, and love like Jesus. Disciples are not a church building. When it says that our job is to bring his kingdom to earth, it's not about bringing a church 
building into the world. It's about, or a denomination. No, the power of Resurrection Day is about bringing the real church, the people of God into the world and unleashing them to show the power of the resurrection in their life to everybody around them. The disciples who bring heaven to earth through the power of the Holy Spirit. Disciples, yes, we absolutely teach. We absolutely tell people that Jesus is God. We tell people that he is king and savior, that they can be forgiven and free. In fact, some of you in this room need to hear that today. In Jesus' name, if you confess Jesus as Lord, you are forgiven and free. You just have to believe it and accept it. But Jesus also taught that he's Lord. And as a Lord, he wants to make a difference in the world. He wants to see the world changed on heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Our greatest witness is showing those around us that Easter morning changed not just the world, it changed my world. It changed your world. So what does this look like? Well, there's a prophet named Micah. Micah challenged Israel, and it's a challenge for us. And he says this, listen, this is Micah 6.8. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. God wants you and I to become his witnesses through our marriages, through our jobs, through our singleness, through our parenting, through how we love our neighbor, how we love each other. Did you know you testify to the resurrection of Jesus through your marriage? Do you know that? When your marriage shows a different kingdom than the world's, it testifies, it gives witness to resurrection day. When your singleness, yes, I'm talking to you single people, we tend to focus too much on married people. Through your singleness, you can show, you can testify to the resurrection day by how you are single, by how you date, how you care for the poor, the oppressed, the homeless, the helpless, and the downtrodden, how you run your company gives testimony to resurrection day, how you love your neighbor, how you love your city, and I believe we need to hear this now more than ever, how you post on social media gives evidence, a witness to resurrection day. The greatest witness to the world that Jesus is who he says he is and what he did is what exactly what he came to do is through your life and my life. Easter gives us purpose and power. And it's purpose that gives your marriage purpose, your job purpose, yes, even your money purpose. And as hard as it is to understand, it even gives your pain purpose. Resurrection Day changed everything. I'm gonna invite the band back up. As we talk about Easter, and as we talk about what God is doing, I want you to think about this, okay? If you're not a Christian, if you've never given your life to Christ, I'm going to invite you to do that today. Next week, we're going to have Baptism Sunday, where we're going to get a big old dunk tank right here, and we're going to celebrate as people are going to get washed in the wild waters of God. Would you guys stand with me? I know this is going to be uncomfortable for some of you, but guess what? I think God likes to make us uncomfortable. (laughs) If you want to give your life to Christ today for the first time, would you raise your hand? If you're recognizing you need Jesus, thank you. Keep that hand up for a second. If you need Jesus, if you're like, I need Jesus right now. If you need your marriage, you need resurrection in your marriage, would you raise your hand? If you need new life and purpose through your life, would you raise your hand right now? Would you guys pray with me? And everybody, I want to invite everybody to pray with me at the same time. Lord Jesus, let resurrection begin in me that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. 
that you are Lord of my life. Amen. See, Resurrection Day means it gives our singing, our worship purpose. It gives our heartache purpose. Easter means that you and I should care about racism. It means that we should care about the mental health crisis affecting our kids. That's what Easter means. Easter means that we should care about the sex workers and those caught in sex trafficking. Easter means that we should care about restoring the addict, the person whose life has been wrecked by bad choices and addictions, because Easter means new life is more than just a theory. Easter proves that new life is available here and now. It's possible now. And if you need new life, I'm here to tell you that the four purposes of Easter can change everything. Jesus is King. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord. Easter. Easter is an everyday event. It empowers you to new life. As we sing this last song and as we come and worship, I'm going to ask you a simple and profound question. How is Easter affecting your life? You know, I don't need you to answer that. How is resurrection affecting your life? And if it's not, I'm going to ask the question, have you gotten too comfortable with the power of the gospel? I believe God wants to do something new to you. I believe God is stirring something in our midst. And so let us come and worship. If you want to raise your hands while we sing, yeah, let's just come and worship the King, amen? Because God is doing something new and everybody said. Here we go.